Hello friends, we're back in the Book of Kings. Had a little bit of a great break, but hope you're doing well. I actually have somebody popping into my office not too long from now, so I'm going to see if I can get this done in one shot before they show up. So, um, And this is one of these chapters that doesn't have anything too gripping going on in it, from my perspective. Um, it's just showing the plotting of history, where kings are sometimes good and sometimes bad. But we're in chapter 14 with Amaziah. In the second year of Joash, the son of Jeho. Joahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old and began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Johadin, or Jehoadin of Jerusalem. Now, that's a good sign. When moms are from Jerusalem, that usually produces a faithful king. Very likely because she's been participating in the temple worship, and she's not a foreigner who brought her foreign gods. Verse 3, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not like... The David, his father, he did all things as Joash's father had done. So this is a good report, but he's he's a bit of a mixture of iron and clay, and so his misdeeds are going to catch up with him eventually. But um, he wasn't, uh, you know, he did, didn't do worse than his dad. Verse 4, but the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. And as soon as the royal power was firmly in his hand, he struck down his servants who had struck down the the king his father okay so just being po politics there that should remind us of solomon a bit who had to establish his power after david died and when he did establish his power when david died he ended up removing the threats to the throne that were around him verse six but he did not put to death the children of the murderers according to what is written in the book of the law of moses where the lord commanded fathers shall not be put to death because of their children nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers each one shall die for their own sin so that's good. And, you know, when you have, when the Bible stops or these stories stop to quote scripture and say the king did it, that's like high praise. And so politically, it's good to like wipe out entire families. And, you know, that's what Jehu was doing. Remember when Jehu was executing judgment on Ahab's household, he was just like wiping out everybody. But Amaziah uh, obeyed the word of the Lord, the written word of Moses, which is a great sign for him. And he gets praised for it. Verse 7, he struck down 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by storm and called it Jokdil, which it is to this day. Okay, so here's a record of some of his military conquests. But then things are going to change to a time when things went bad, where he loses a battle. He's going to fight against Israel. And I just checked with Chronicles, and what happened in Chronicles that they record is that when Amaziah has this success against Edom. He actually captured their gods and then worshipped them, and then God sent a prophet to go rebuke him, but he didn't quite listen to the prophet. And so, this next episode, it, where Amaziah is defeated in Chronicles, I think it's Second Chronicles 25, the root cause is that God was displeased with Amaziah for an instance of idolatry or idol worship that he didn't repent of. But they cover that, they don't cover that here, and I kind of wonder why sometimes, like, why wouldn't you say that here? But maybe the reference to the high places from the previous uh, paragraphs is evidence enough that the worship was mixed, and so we shouldn't be surprised if sometimes Amaziah wins and sometimes he loses. Sorry, guys, a little bit of a cold, I'm just finishing off here, so if it sounds like I'm making funny noises, that's why. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, Come, let us look one another in the face. 
So there's like a, a call to battle. Let's enter the ring. We might say that today. And Jehoahash, the king of Israel, sent word to Amaziah, the king of Judah, a thistle on Lebanon, sent to a cedar on Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son for a wife. And a wild beast of Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You have indeed struck down Edom, but your heart and your heart has lifted you up. Be content with your glory and stay at home, for why should you provoke trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? All right, so, you know, he tells this little story about some something that's got above his station, a thistle wanting to declare itself equal with a, a cedar and demand um, marriage, which would make it a, a marriage of equals, an alliance. Um, so I'm not sure maybe if they were intent for war right away, but yeah, I think they were. But, it, but he tells this little parable, and then he just says, you know, uh, stay home. This is kind of like somebody who maybe won a, a little boy who won a schoolyard scrap who wants to challenge Mike Tyson or something. That's what he's saying is happening. And uh, so they're, they're trashing each other on Twitter here. Verse 11, but Amaziah would not listen. So here, here's him not listening. Uh, the king of Israel was right. Uh, Judah is a much smaller nation right now and was not a match. So Jehoash, the king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, the king of Judah, faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel. Every man fled to his home. And Jehoash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for 400 cubits from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. And he seized all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house, all also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. So this is interesting that Amaziah doesn't get killed, um, even though he gets captured. So Jehoash just decides to humiliate him. Um, so he takes his treasure. He breaks down the wall, which means that Jerusalem now can't be, isn't fortified, which would really keep a king from ever doing a war of aggression because he can't. Uh, protect himself if the war goes bad and so this is a way for the king of israel to kind of make it a, a long time before the king kings of judah could um, be trouble to him and then the hostages would also be usually they'd like take family members of the royal household and say hey if you guys don't be behave yourself we'll just murder your sons and daughters um, who are in samaria living with us and so he really humiliates him for his pride Verse 15, now the rest of the acts of Jehoash that he did and his might and how he fought with Amaziah, the king of Judah, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Jehoash slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria and the, with the kings of Israel and Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, so we have this typical summary of the end of a, a, a reign of a king. And interesting that it's like in the middle of the other king's reign. But, you know, there's room for variety in these books. Um, all right, verse 17, going back to Amaziah. Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Okay, so at, at the very least, you know, he reigned for 25 years, so his defeat happened somewhere in the middle, at the least. Verse 18, now the rest of the deeds of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of Kings of Judah? And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. And they sent after him to Lachish and 
put him to death there. And they brought him on horses, and he was buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he built Alath and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. So again, this is a bit mysterious, like why this conspiracy? But um, sadly, Amaziah kind of goes the way of his father, who's assassinated. They're both assassinated, but the assassins try to show him some kind of honor by bringing him back and burying him as a true king. And then again, they put a son in the place of the father. And this, um, this Azariah here, I think, is also U Uzziah, who was, I think, a good king. But I'll have to confirm that. I'm just going to skip ahead here a little bit. Yeah, he reigns 52 years in Jerusalem. So he has one of the longest reigns of any king. And he's got a couple names, right? There's often like birth names for kings and then there'll be uh, regnal names, maybe they're called, but names that kings get once they um, are put into place. And maybe I've talked about this before, but it's kind of like popes. Popes have a name when they're just a priest, but then when they become popes, they take on a, a papal name. Um which often, you know, signifies how they're intending to rule, whose uh, previous papal reign they're going to emulate or act like or whatever. And so sometimes you get kings with multiple names, and that's the reason. And then sometimes when they're defeated, they'll get renamed by the person who has defeated them as a way of, like, showing ownership. And it reminds you of Genesis 1 and 2, where um, God shows his rule by naming the things he creates, and then Adam shows his rule by naming the things that God has given him to be the servant king over. And uh, we see that as well when kings defeat other kings, they will rename them to show their lordship. Okay, and I think I've got a few verses here left to finish up. Um, in verse 23, in the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. That's a long reign. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not part from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which was especially the worship of those golden calves, which uh, he made Israel to sin. And he restored the border of Israel from Lohabath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath Hefer. Okay, so again, a reference to the prophet's activity in the northern kingdom, which you don't always hear about in the southern kingdom, which is interesting. But here is a reference to Jonah. This is Jonah from the book of Jonah, the one who gets on a ship and leaves because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So we have a reference from kings about the ministry of Jonah that's outside of what happens in that particular book. Verse 26, For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Okay, so here's again a prophetic theological inter interpretation of the time. Um, this new king is bad like the previous kings, but God grants them some success because he's promised to be faithful to Israel. He's remembering his covenant that he made to Jacob back in the day, who he renamed Israel. And these are his descendants, and God remembers. He sees all of history in, in photographic form, so to speak. And so he's remaining faithful to his promises and his covenants here and still granting some success through the king so that these foreign kings aren't just wiping them out. But there will be a day when there's kind of a time's up day and the northern kingdom is sent into exile. Uh, but it's not going to be this day. 
Verse 28, Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, and all that he did, and his might, how he fought, how he restored Damascus, and Hamath to Judah and Israel, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Jeroboam slept with his fathers, the kings of Israel, and Zechariah his son reigned in his place. Okay, so um, here's the summary of a northern king's reign. He was still an idolater, but God had mercy on him because of his faithfulness to his own promises to take care of Israel, as well as his own just grief over the bitter affliction of Israel. And it's interesting because, you know, remember Jonah, when he goes to Nineveh, God rebukes him for just not having compassion on all these like people who don't know the right hand from their left. And so God sends this prophet to rebuke them. And when they do humble themselves, God has mercy on them because they're just, they don't know what they're doing. And you almost have this similar theme here, talking about Jonah and then going and saying, God's just going to have mercy on Israel because they're just so, um, they're so hard done by. And God is just having undeserved compassion on the Northern Kingdom here. And so it's interesting to me, just, just reading this, that that similar theme um, comes up with a mention of Jonah again. Okay, and that finishes our chapter. Went kind of quick, but hopefully you're blessed, and we're going to do our best. I'm going to do my best to finish this thing off for sure, for sure, before my sabbatical kicks up in me, but uh, at, a, at a steady pace. God bless.